If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Good morning to you and welcome to CBS This Morning. It's Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. I'm Gail King with Anthony Mason and Tony DeCopo. We're going to begin with President Trump. He is back on the campaign trail in Florida, looking and sounding very much the same as he did before he was hospitalized with the coronavirus. He delivered a very familiar attack lines before a mostly massless crowd for more than an hour. Even though new cases are rising in more than three dozen states, the president continues to downplay the severity of the pandemic, and he touts himself as a success story. Ben Tracy is at the White House. Ben, Dr. Anthony Fauci says events like these are asking for trouble. Is the Trump campaign taking any new precautions? No, they basically did what they've been doing. They handed out masks. They suggested people use them. Very few people did. And then take a look at this. This is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis walking around, high-fiving people in the crowd. He's then later seen actually rubbing his nose. Now, President Trump is pressuring his campaign to set up a lot more of these rallies between now and Election Day. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel, I feel so powerful. After 11 days off the campaign trail to recover from the virus, President Trump was very much back in his element Monday night. I'll walk in there, I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and them. Everybody, I'll just give you a big fat kiss. Just hours before he spoke, his doctor said he is now tested negative. But CBS medical contributor Dr. David Agus says the antigen tests the president was given are less sensitive than a PCR test and are designed to be used earlier in diagnosis. Still, Mr. Trump appeared to have plenty of energy, talking for just over an hour. I'm in such great shape. The crowd was packed in shoulder to shoulder, most of them not wearing masks. The president himself did not wear one at the rally or in Washington as he boarded Air Force One. Dr. Anthony Fauci says with COVID cases quickly rising across the country, these rallies just make no sense. We know that that is asking for trouble when you do that. In an interview with the Daily Beast, he also accused the Trump campaign of harassment by using him in a campaign ad without permission. I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. And making it appear like he was praising President Trump's handling of the virus, which he was not. Fauci is warning them to not do it again. You know, that would be terrible. I mean, that would be outrageous if they do that. Um, in fact, that might actually come back to backfire on them. That's Donald Trump's presidency. 215,000 dead because of COVID. Former Vice President Joe Biden campaigned in Ohio Monday, talking to union workers who remained socially distanced in their car. He said President Trump was irresponsible in how he handled his own coronavirus infection. His reckless personal conduct since his diagnosis has been unconscionable. The longer Donald Trump is president, 
the more reckless he seems to get. Now, new polls show Biden leading President Trump in several crucial swing states. And CBS News has learned that the Trump campaign is launching a multi-million dollar ad campaign to try to win back seniors because polls earlier this month show they now favor Joe Biden by a wide margin. Tony. We've got some work to do, Ben. Thank you very much. The Senate Judiciary Committee is set for a more intense day of confirmation hearings for Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. The appeals court judge laid out her conservative approach to the law yesterday in her opening statement. Republicans praised her credentials while Democrats called the hearings a sham and predicted that Barrett would lead the high court in a radical new direction. Nancy Cordes is covering the hearings on Capitol Hill for us. Nancy, good morning to you. What's happening today? Good morning. Well, today is round one of questioning, and each of the 22 senators on the committee will get a half an hour to grill Judge Barrett. So she could be on the hot seat for more than 11 hours today before a follow-up round tomorrow, fielding tough questions about abortion, the election, and Obamacare. So help you God. Today's endurance test will pit Judge Barrett against 10 Senate Democrats who regard her nomination as an illegitimate power grab by the president and his party. I think this hearing is a sham. With remarkable unity, Democrats made it clear yesterday they plan to focus on the roughly 20 million Americans who could lose coverage if a 6-3 to three Supreme Court overturns Obamacare. For years, Merritt put off going to the doctor because he was, like many Americans, afraid he could not afford it. But when the Affordable Care Act was passed, he finally got the coverage he could afford. The committee's 12 Republicans will be far friendlier. I think you're a great choice by the president. Yesterday, they praised Barrett's resume, her temperament, and her conservative judicial philosophy. You are a brilliant jurist and a constitutional law expert. Barrett does have some experience with this. She fielded questions from the same committee during her federal appeals court confirmation in 2017. When you read your speeches, um, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you. There would be no opportunity to be a no vote on Roe, and as I said to the committee, well, I would faithfully apply all Supreme Court precedent. Republicans warned Democrats not to bring up Barrett's faith this time. When you tell somebody that they're too Catholic to be on the bench, when you tell them they're going to be a Catholic judge, not an American judge, that's bigotry. Thank you very much. The ongoing pandemic looms over this hearing. Utah's Mike Lee, who tested positive after Barrett's Rose Garden ceremony last month, appeared in person yesterday, removing his mask to speak. Senator Ted Cruz, who was exposed to Lee, appeared remotely, as did Democratic VP nominee Kamala Harris, who did so as a precaution. This committee has ignored common sense requests to keep people safe, including not requiring testing for all members, despite a coronavirus outbreak among senators of this very committee. Democrats have made it clear that they're going to steer clear of questioning Judge Barrett about her religion this time around. Plus, they think that Obamacare, health care more broadly, is the best focus. It was the number one issue to voters back in 2018. They think it's going to be a big issue in 2020. As far as Republicans are concerned, they are still hoping, Anthony, that they can get this judge confirmed to the Supreme Court 
one week before Election Day. All right, Nancy, it's going to be close. More than 10 million Americans have already voted. Take a look at these lines in Georgia yesterday, the first early voting day there. It's one of 43 states where that's an option. Many voters faced massive wait times, but they were determined to cast their ballots anyway. Mark Strassman is at Georgia's largest polling place, State Farm Arena in Atlanta. Mark, what's expected there today? Well, good morning, Anthony. I mean, normally it's the Atlanta Hawks who play here inside State Farm Arena. But as you mentioned, now it's the single largest early voting option in the entire state of Georgia. Behind me, you can see some of the 302 voting machines that are scattered throughout the arena. It's all part of the push to accommodate Georgia's record early turnout. With so much on the line, voters stood in line for hours. The first day, Georgians could. But this line is long. So long, it took a chopper to see all those waiting in one metro Atlanta county. At Georgia's largest polling place, a three-hour line stretched through Atlanta's NBA arena. But 80-year-old Linda Williams waited. They only have five machines to accommodate 1,000 people. After the same glitches that caused chaos in Georgia's June primary briefly crashed computers, more machines came online. But so did more voters. I wasn't frustrated, I didn't get anxious, and I committed to the process. I didn't like it, but I didn't mind it. I, had, I, I made a lot of friends. And made history. 10 million Americans have already voted, the most ever this early. Just to get it over with and out of the way. Despite a deadly pandemic, some Americans aren't willing just to mail it in. CBS News election law expert David Becker. People are excited to vote. Sometimes people get excited. They want to go on the first day. They want to be part of history. Today, at least 19 states already offer in-person voting with eight more by week's end and five more on Monday. And on day one in Georgia, it wasn't just voters rushing in. Hello, Atlanta. Joe Biden's wife, Jill. But Joe Biden is that camouflage. He's the and Donald Trump Jr. came to lock down support right, here. One sign how seriously both President Trump and former Vice President Biden take early voting here in this state where polls show them locked in a statistical tie. And every vote counts. For those voters who are concerned that their vote be among the first counted and reported out on election night, early in-person voting is a great way to cast your ballot. Think about this, State Farm Arena seats about 21,000 people, but voters and poll workers will make up the single largest group inside this arena since COVID became a crisis. Every time a voting machine is used, it is wiped down and sanitized. Masks are mandatory for voters, but there's a separate area to vote for people who refuse to wear a mask. Gail? And it shows how important the people are waiting in line. They really wanna vote, this is important. Thank you very much, Mark. The early voters will also help decide a series of very important Senate races. In Kentucky, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell faced his Democratic challenger, that's Amy McGrath, in a TV debate last night. Ed O'Keefe looks at some of the races that are heating up with just three weeks to go. You negotiate, Senator, it is a national crisis. The response to the coronavirus pandemic and the Supreme Court nomination took center stage in Kentucky last night. No one believes the Supreme Court is going to strike down the Affordable Care Act. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is still hugely popular in the state where he's leading Democrat Amy McGrath by double digits in the latest polling. But McGrath has outpaced McConnell in fundraising with more than $47 million to his roughly $37 million. This is about what can we do to improve the state. 
Money is also flooding into another Southern race. Democrat Jamie Harrison is neck and neck with Republican Senator Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. Harrison reported raising a record-breaking $57 million in the last quarter, prompting pleas like this one from the incumbent. There's not enough money to flip this state. I do need to fight back. And in Arizona, we're in this together. Republican Senator Martha McSally faces Democrat Mark Kelly, a former astronaut and the husband of former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. A recent poll shows Kelly leading McSally by 10 points. There are several other races to keep your eye on. Down in North Carolina, Democrat Cal Cunningham remains ahead of Republican Senator Tom Tillis, despite recent revelations about an extramarital affair. In Alabama, Democratic Senator Doug Jones is facing popular former college football coach and Republican Tommy Tuberville in the seat Democrats are most at risk of losing. And in Maine, Republican Senator Susan Collins is facing a tough challenge from Democrat Sarah Gideon. Collins is facing a barrage of attack ads tied partly to her support for Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh back in 2018. The numbers to remember this morning, there are 35 Senate seats up for grabs. Republicans are defending 23 of them. They have a 53 to 47 majority. Democrats, if they want to win back control, they need to net three seats if Joe Biden wins the White House, four seats if President Trump does. Anthony, there's going to be a quiz. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. I'm taking notes. He will pass, too. And Anthony Mason will pass, Ed O'Keefe. Yes, he will. Bring it on. And how many days till the election, Ed, where you don't have your sign behind you today? Three weeks to go. I checked it this morning before I left. All right. Thanks, Ed. For the second time, a late-stage coronavirus vaccine trial has been halted after a participant got sick. Johnson & Johnson says it paused its phase three trial after someone developed an unexplained illness. The company says it's investigating whether the illness is related to the vaccine. In a statement, Johnson & Johnson says these issues are, quote, an expected part of any clinical study, especially large studies. An AstraZeneca Oxford University trial in the U.S. is also on hold for similar reasons. Meanwhile, we're learning about the first confirmed case of someone in the U.S. getting the coronavirus for a second time. Doctors say a 25-year-old man from Nevada first tested positive back in April. He then tested positive again in June, despite negative tests in between those two dates. Scientists say there were differences in the virus strains in both cases, meaning he was, in fact, infected two separate times. And this could have major implications for how we talk about and think about immunity. This morning, we have an exclusive broadcast interview with Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. His name is Kenneth Walker. He spoke at length about the early morning police raid that killed Taylor back in March. Walker and Taylor were sleeping when Louisville police raided her apartment looking for a drug suspect very early in the morning. Now, he insists that he asked, he and Brianna both asked, he said, who is at the door? But police never identified themselves. The police say that they did. Walker says he fired one shot at the officers with a legally licensed gun because he thought they were intruders. Who did you think was at the door? If you're saying, who is it, who is it, and they're not answering. Because it certainly doesn't sound like a friendly knock. I didn't have a clue. That's why I grabbed the gun. Yeah. Didn't have a clue. I mean, if it was the police at the door and they just said we're the police, me or Brianna didn't have a reason at all not to open the door and see what they wanted. But did it ever cross your mind, a heavy knock like that? Maybe it's the police? That's why I never thought it was the police, because why would the police be coming here? 
That's a very good question. You know, yeah. he said to me, if you heard a heavy knock at the door, would you think must be the police? Yeah. Which, which I have to say, Anthony, yeah. I never thought of it that way. I would think that it was somebody who was coming to give me harm, do me harm. He said, no, it never occurred to either of us that it was the police. Yeah. Because in their minds, they weren't doing anything that would warrant police coming there. Also, you Neither one of them had any kind of criminal uh, records involving drugs, violent history. Yep. No drugs, no money were found in the apartment. And, and you expect the police to say, open up, it's the exactly. police. Yeah. And and many, exactly witnesses, right. and many witnesses say they did not say that. There is one witness who, who says they did. There is one witness who changed his story. Yes, who right. Who now says that they did. It's a very confusing, well, it's not so confusing to Kenneth Walker, who, by the way, his story has never changed yep. from day one about what happened that night. You can see more of our exclusive broadcast interview with Kenneth Walker tomorrow on CBS This Morning. Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Hi, I'm Misha Brown, and I'm the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show, The Swan. The problem, this dream opportunity quickly became a viewing nightmare. They were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.